The Last of Us Online has been officially cancelled by Naughty Dog after a series of confusing updates about the game this year, from hearing it was going on ice to being potentially cancelled, only to have the director of the game just a month ago say that he was still working on the game. We now have the official word from Naughty Dog themselves, and their reasoning is not all that surprising, but it has caused a mixture of reactions. With some fans celebrating and wanting Naughty Dog to stick to what they know with single-player games, while others think this is a cause for concern about PlayStation's push into the more live service oriented games. Now I put all of the good information here at the beginning of the video. It's sort of an opening monologue that way you don't have to go looking for it. It's a longer video because once I'm done with the opening, I discuss it with the live audience. So if you like this kind of live interactive content, be sure to hit subscribe and the bell button so you don't miss my shows. So it is now official that The Last of Us Online is cancelled, according to a lengthy blog post from Naughty Dog. Four years ago, they said that The Last of Us Part 2 would not have factions, because it had grown into something that they felt should stand on its own. Only to have Bungie question the game's longevity, which resulted in the game being put on ice. But it seems that Bungie's input led Naughty Dog to other conclusions about the game. So the first thing I want to do is look at their blog post, as well as their reasoning behind this. But then I want to look at the reactions. Some of the reactions are not in line with what I believe about the project given the timeline from Naughty Dog. But I also want to consider the wide array of response we are seeing to this announcement. Lastly, I want to tell you what I think. In my previous coverage, I expressed concern that this project was headed to cancellation, or maybe even a complete revamp, never showing up as they intended. But there's valid concern about the PlayStation Studios, who primarily make single player games, trying to pivot into live service. And I want to talk about that a bit as well. But first up, what happened? Well, on December 14th of 2023, Naughty Dog published a blog entitled An Update on The Last of Us Online. In it, they officially announced that, quote, we've made the incredibly difficult decision to stop development on that game. They then say that they want to provide background on this decision, and this is where the timeline comes in that I think is vital to placing this project and choice within the context of something initiated by Naughty Dog. They say the following, The multiplayer team has been in pre-production with this game since we were working on The Last of Us Part 2, crafting an experience we felt was unique and had tremendous potential. As the multiplayer team iterated on their concept of The Last of Us Online during this time, their vision crystallized. The gameplay got more refined and satisfying, and we were enthusiastic about the direction in which we were headed. Now, it's important to remember this, okay? It's important to remember that Naughty Dog announced the decision to remove factions out of The Last of Us Part Two back in 2019. That was four years ago. This means it predates the live service push from Sony that was announced in early 2022, and then the financials were outlined for that in a webcast put on by Sony in 2023. Now, I draw attention to this because I believe the true test for Sony's live service games is still ahead of us, especially when you read what Naughty Dog said next. They said, In ramping up to the final of full production, the massive scope of our ambition became clear. To release and support The Last of Us Online, we'd have to put all our studio resources behind supporting post-launch content for years to come, severely impacting development on future single-player games. I'm just going to pause here. I meant to read this all as one quote, but it just dawned on me. They're talking about supporting with post-launch content, which was a direct, likely response to Bungie's concerns about the fact that they weren't sure if this game was going to last. 
They continue. So we had two paths in front of us. Become a solely live service game studio or continue to focus on single player narrative games that have defined Naughty Dog's heritage. Now, this is extremely important in the larger picture of live service games. Something I hope that is informing Sony's future decisions and projects. Launching and supporting a live service game is not easy, and I would imagine that Bungie's input on this is part of what led to the decision. If they doubted the longevity of the game, they may have given a basic outline of what longevity and support would look like, making Naughty Dog just pump the brakes. Like, well, we don't want to do that. Again, I originally covered this and said, I think Naughty Dog stepped into a world they simply don't understand. They likely can make a very good game mode, but live service is a different animal entirely, and they were likely not equipped to support it with ongoing plans, support, and bandwidth. This likely means it was basically canceled when they put it on ice earlier this year. I remember looking at the QA workers being laid off, employees had been moved to other projects, and I thought, this really sounds like a canceled project or at the very least, a completely rebooted project. But then recently, when we covered the director saying that he was still working on it, I thought, okay, I guess there's a variety of ways this plays out. But even in that coverage, I kept saying, there's a distinct possibility that this game gets canceled. I just didn't have a good feeling about the project, given the mixed messaging we were getting on it. Well, it turns out cancellation was the only option, unless they wanted to become a live service studio. Needless to say, this has sparked a lot of reaction and a lot of feedback from the public. So, what are people saying? Well, the first and pretty common response that I'm seeing is, hey, this is good. Naughty Dog needs to stick to single-player games anyway, and I actually agree with this to an extent, especially given what Naughty Dog said. If a super-experienced, award-winning single-player studio has to choose between becoming a live-service studio or sticking to what they know, the best business sense is to stick to what you know. But I do think this response is underselling how good the game could have been. To me, it's more about the demand it would have made of the studio. Live service games are very risky as well, so there's a chance it just doesn't work, and we saw what happened to Bungie when you start to lose your audience or if you start to miss your targets. So, I'm actually glad they did this, because if they would have pushed this out, decide to turn into a live service studio, we might not see Naughty Dog in the future, because they could have looked at absolute financial ruin, or they could have struggled, or could have had to lay people off. You just don't know. If they weren't confident in the game's future without supporting it with the entire studio I think they made the right call now another response I'm seeing is there are folks saying well just release it just release it and let us play it I actually agree with this in part because of my own curiosity. I would love to try it out, break down the systems, the content, see what they were shooting for, but I don't agree with this with respect to the IP and what it could do. Right now, folks feel disappointed, but the gaming world at large doesn't pay attention to Twitter, YouTube, or developer blogs, so they have no idea if this game is a thing or not. Releasing something incomplete removes all doubt from any player who touches the game that it's bad or not ready or undercooked. And both Naughty Dog and Sony want to protect The Last of Us as a brand and an IP. The show had a direct impact on game sales, and after the abysmal PC port, I don't think they want any more low-quality releases of anything attached to The Last of Us. Now, some responses I'm seeing don't seem to be considering the timeline that I outlined earlier. I'm seeing folks say things like, well, 
Sony doesn't know what they're doing with live service or Sony's live service plans have failed. I believe this timeline that I've outlined with Naughty Dog shows that the decision was made well before any live service push from Sony. And they also seem to have some level of autonomy to say no, we are not going to become a live service studio. I would imagine Sony would support that decision given Naughty Dog's history with the platform. I also believe that many are jumping the gun on decrying PlayStation's live service push as a failure. It was only announced in early 2022 and just this year in 2023 they outlined the increase in funding. Games simply do not launch that quickly. We get press releases and announcements for games all of the time. We don't conclude that the studio or the publishers are failures 12 to 20 months later when nothing has come out yet. So I think the Sony live service experiment hasn't been truly tested yet. As far as I can tell, Helldivers 2 will be one of the first games. And we know that Sony has already lowered the expectation from 12 games by 2026 to just 6 games, with the other 6 potentially going through similar evaluations processes that Naughty Dog went through. I totally get why folks are quick to rush to judgment of live service games or live service plans. There's a growing animosity toward live service games and not without good reason. Many have failed or they have practices with FOMO. FOMO is fear of missing out and they leverage that against the players very often or microtransaction practices that many gamers dislike. But from my perspective, live service games will be a part of the future of gaming. The evolutionary steps to getting it right or trying different formats will be the key to success. So I get why people don't want to see a live service push, but I think we're jumping way too quickly to say that the plan has failed when nothing's really come out yet. One last reaction I've seen before giving my thoughts on this is that Sony is in trouble. I'm not quite clear where this is coming from. Both game and hardware sales have been very strong for PlayStation. PlayStation this year, and that's after they internally delayed games out of 2023. I can't really agree with this sentiment that Sony is in trouble. The market leader, by all accounts, is continuing to lead, but I think that lack of first-party games this year has led many to conclude that something is wrong. While I can admit my own disappointment with the thinner year with respect to first-party game releases and first-party game announcements, we already have The Last of Us 2 Remaster in January, Helldivers 2 and Final Fantasy 7 Rebirth in February, and Rise of the Ronin in March. That's the beginning of the year. That's the first three months. We already kind of have the roadmap that we're going to get. I'm hoping we get some sort of state of play or something to cast a vision for what comes after that. I don't know if we're going to get another one of those in December. I'm still waiting to see if Sony decides to cast a vision for the entire year or are they just going to start piecemealing it and only do the showcase in the summer. Now, granted, Final Fantasy VII Rebirth is not a first-party game, but it's functionally first-party, and we're still waiting for release dates for Concord and Foam Stars. Pursuing, I think, if you just go and look for a list of games coming in 2024, there were a lot that I noticed are also just coming to PS5 and PC, like Pacific Drive, Ultros, Baby Steps, Earth Defense 4-6, Forever Skies, Raven's Watch, and Towers of Agasba. That's just to name a few. So, for PlayStation owners, I don't see a cause for concern here. I know people are upset. I get it. I thought this game was going to be potentially pretty cool, but it's just not coming out. I don't think we need to decry the platform as failing or in trouble. Unless you were really looking forward to The Last of Us Online, I do understand that disappointment and anger, but I don't think we need to jump to those conclusions, which is time for me to tell you what I think. 
from the very beginning of covering this game, I was worried that Naughty Dog had stepped into something that they were not equipped for. It was easy to look at Fortnite exploding throughout 2018 and think, hey, we can make a mode into an ongoing game and make a ton of money in the process. It doesn't surprise me that the Battle Royale for Fortnite lands in like 2017, it explodes in 2018 and 2019, and that's around the time that Naughty Dog made this decision. It's hard to fault Naughty Dog for this when so many other studios tried to jump on the Battle Royale or the live service bandwagon. This is an industry where sometimes you place bets and you win big, and other times where you lose it all. Thankfully, Naughty Dog is in a position where they can back away from the project and not face financial ruin or serious layoffs in a year where over hiring from 2020 and 2021 and missing sales targets or poor decisions from leadership has led to massive layoffs in the gaming industry and the tech world at large I think we should be glad that Naughty Dog was able to make this decision as opposed to the alternative of oh well let's just shove it out and then suffer financial damages launching the game having it fail and suffering that financial fallout would not be an ideal situation and we'd be looking at another company probably having to lay people off i also believe that the greatest piece of insight we got from this is that you can't just throw some of your studio at a live service game you've got to be all in which is raising concern about the other projects for playstation studios working on multiplayer or live service games i saw an article by game rant saying that well this could mean gorilla will face similar challenges and problems with their Horizon multiplayer game. Well, late in 2022, it was reported that Sony was working with NCSoft and having them help with the Horizon MMO. Now, that doesn't mean that Guerrilla isn't having to make changes because they aren't completely disconnected from this. According to X-Fire in July of this year, Jan Bart Van Deek was speaking with Games Radar about this and X-Fire reports this. It's a whole new challenge, Van Beek expressed. Highlighting the grandiosity of transitioning the franchise to a multiplayer experience comparable to the original development of Horizon Zero Dawn. This shift in part of the 16 active plans it has on the docket for the Horizon franchise's expansion, promising fans an immersive and extensive universe to explore. So it would appear that the Horizon franchise has big plans, and it could fuse similar reality checks or face similar reality checks that Naughty Dog faced. That could be why NCSoft is being tapped for help, given their background with MMOs and live service games. That, I think, is the biggest takeaway for Sony in the Naughty Dog announcement. Asking developers with a history of single-player games to pivot to live service or multiplayer, it's not going to work without proper support or outsourcing. ZeniMax made this mistake when they asked Arcane to make Redfall, and Naughty Dog thought they could take a great mode and launch a live service game, only to find out just how demanding they are. This is also eye-opening for gamers. We're quick to criticize and chart all the failed live service games that are out there, but Naughty Dog is pulling back the veil on why that probably happens more often than not. It's a caution sign to Sony, or really any studio, who thinks they can build a live service game. In my previous coverage about this, I said that the next stage in live service evolution should be one that is focused on being a content-driven model, rather than an engagement funnel model. And what I mean is this. Free DLC modes with rogues that extend the life of a single-player game may be the beginning stages of what I'm talking about. Live service games that depend on engagement funnels to be full of players, that's massively 
risky. And as Naughty Dog learned, they require the entire studio to support it. And once the player funnel starts to dry up, it has a compounding effect on the game. Less people playing means the game has to start to feel a little bit empty. So then matchmaking can take longer. Well, and then you get region mismatch, and now your connection quality is poor. Or maybe your friends list is just sort of drifting from the game because it's not as fun as it used to be. This causes more people to stop playing, which exacerbates all the problems that I just listed. Longer matchmaking times, connectivity problems, but a content-driven model could help push sales microtransactions as well as keeping the game relevant god of war ragnarok valhalla is a great example of this especially if the game charts in december for sales if a single player game can add a free mode a year after it's been out and climb the sales charts well the definition of live service could start to change shape supporting a game with ongoing content might look more like regular dlc beats and updates instead of hey play our game all the time and you don't want to stop playing or you're going to miss out and well, here's an event and here's a battle pass and here's a new season please don't stop playing i, I just again i think a content focused model versus a player in engagement funnel model is the key that doesn't mean you can't have live service games that rely on player funnels but i feel companies will start to prefer games that don't live or die if players drift away from the game for a little while as well as the need to constantly support the game is just overwhelming to many studios no matter how you shake it we're not getting the last of us online and this could be a good thing for all the studios setting their sights on this plan and that includes playstation as a platform and a publisher but that's just what i think now i want to know what you think so let me give you my thoughts and my conclusions on this sort of a closing thing we do in the monologue to transition into talking to the live audience the first thing i want to say is it's never fun to see a project canceled or failed yeah i i, I almost ran and i told you so because i'd been saying for a while that i thought this thing was getting canceled and I, I got a lot of grief there were sony fans that were like no it's not it's coming and i was like i just don't think so it has all the hallmarks of a canceled game i think given the two choices though not launching it's better than launching and failing I'm seeing a lot of doubt on my timeline about the requirements to turn the entire studio into a live service studio to support the game. So basically what I did was, is I put out a Twitter poll because I wanted to know what people thought. Is this a good decision? Is this a bad decision? And I was seeing people saying things like, well, I doubt that they needed to turn the entire studio into a live service studio to support this. And the poll results are as follows. I said, what does everybody think about Naughty Dog canceling the last Last of Us Online, okay? That was the question that I asked, and you can see the poll here. It says, good decision, bad decision, Sony live service concern. So roughly 60% of people are saying, look, this is a good decision. 16% are saying bad. But there's about 25% of the people that respond to this out of like 1,300 votes that are like, look, I, th- this is a Sony live service concern. I don't, I don't know if this is a good idea. So that was, the, that was the findings in the poll. But one of the responses I got was, they didn't need to do this. He basically was saying they were lying, okay? It's interesting to take that position in light of Destiny's history and Bungie having to lay off 100 people when they fall below their targets. And Bungie grew after their acquisition. They had around 900 employees. They're, they went up to 1,200, and now they're at 1,100. There were times in the history of that game they needed help from High Moon Studios and Vicarious Visions just to maintain content rhythm. As big as Bungie is, they still still needed help for parallel development to make sure there was always content coming. 
So it's clear that live service games are demanding. I think it's clear that Bungie's input led Naughty Dog to say, we don't want to do that. If that's what it took for you guys to maintain Destiny all these years, that is not what we're interested in, okay? And I think that's clear why so many of these live service games fail. The second thing I want to say is this. Those pushing for Naughty Dog to just release the game, it really reminds me of the early access discussion. It's my belief that early access can be leveraged by big existing IP for the betterment of the project and the game, especially when it's a live service game and you need the player's feedback almost before you launch the game, if that makes sense. Diablo 4 would be a hundred times better had they released the game into early access two or three years ago. I get the concern about charging for early access, but if the cost is lower than a full price game and the customer knows what they're signing up for, I'm just going to keep pointing to Baldur's Gate 3 as proof of this. It's not a live service game, but they were able to crank out something at such an insane caliber of quality because of the symbiotic relationship with the community who dove into that thing early access. And then you set the trajectories for all of the game to be exactly where the players want it. The issue with Naughty Dog and The Last of Us Online isn't the question of just launching it, see how it goes, and then support or update it if it's a hit. That's where my mind went first. It's like, yeah, I guess they could just launch it. And if it goes well, then they could support it, right? Almost treat it like early access. But the truth of the matter is they don't want to become a live service studio, which is what this game would require in order for it to survive. So unless they can hand the project off to someone else, I don't think this thing will ever see the light of day. My conclusion is this, even though I know I would not have spent much time in The Last of Us Online, I prefer non-PVP games. A game with PVP in an environment like that just tends to not be something that I prefer, but I love the story-driven aspects of games like this. It's still disappointing, though, to see so much time and so much resources just go to waste. The hope would be that this is a good learning experience for both Naughty Dog and Sony. Perhaps this is directly related to Sony lowering their expectations from 12 live service games by 2026 down to just six, with the other six getting shuffled back. Okay, maybe that's that's why they reassess this and like look man this is not going to be easy we've got studios or we heard reports that some studios felt uncomfortable with the pivot to live service and that could be something that they're hearing across the board it's not just naughty dog other studios are like we're not equipped for this man we we build single player games you're either going to need to outsource this or get us support because we simply can't do this now maybe there's a future where they hand The Last of Us Online to a studio that could run it and maintain it. But for now, it's dead, and it will likely stay dead. But those are just my thoughts. What are your thoughts? That's the show open. Let's discuss this, guys. We waited to cover this because it hit at a time where I was not able to cover this on Friday. So I appreciate you tuning in on this fine, brisk Monday. We appreciate you guys so, so much. And uh, this one here, I think, is largely going to influence the future of live service games that PlayStation tries to put out. That's, that's what I believe. I believe that they absolutely stepped into a world they were not prepared for. It's like, hey, our mode's good. People will like our mode. And Bungie walks in the room and is like, yeah, but what are you going to do in month three and six and nine and 12? Who's making that content? Where is that content? What's the timeline of completion of that content? And they were probably like, 
what are you talking about? <laughs> like, they were not prepared to support a game like this. And when they realized the level of bandwidth that it would require, they said, no, we're, we're out. That's not what we want to do. That is, And I think other companies that have been trying to do live service, I think this is why their games have failed. I think they step in thinking, oh, you just do a battle pass. You just do seasons. You just do microtransactions. And it's, it's so much more than that and the workload alone is likely pretty heavy again i referenced the time period in in bungie's history where they had to use vicarious visions and high moon studios just to get the seasons out the door and it's like you, i don't think you can step into this world hap hazardly han shot first and so did you thank you so much dk beggar with the first gifted member of the day you guys are back at 2,000 members, and we were pushing for 2,500 for Community Game Night. We fell a little bit short of that. You're back down to about 2,000 members. I will not sing on Friday night and do a night of Frickmas. I won't do it if we don't hit it, because that's not something I want to do. <laughs> if you want to make me do that, it's just like the Just Dance streams. I, I've lowered goals in the past, but I, I don't want to do that. <laughs> You're going to have to really twist my arm quite literally to get me to do it so you're gonna have to aim big if you guys want to go from 2k to 3k this week stranger things have happened on this channel we've had bigger jumps than that before but that's what it's gonna take if you want me singing christmas carols on friday night for a night of frickmas zippy narwhal with a five dollar super chat tip says my frustration is that we didn't get og factions in part one because a full factions game is coming and now we get nothing pure mismanagement i think you meant to say part two uh, part two was the game they took factions out of and said that it was getting too, it was basically becoming too big. It was like becoming its own thing. And they're like, yeah, we can't just slap this in the last of us part two as the game, you know, was being developed. Bro sexy with 18 months says I'm bummed. They scrapped the game and I was very interested, but I'm glad they are smart enough not to continue something that just isn't working. Bring on the single player naughty dog games. Yeah. You know, in, in, in my mind, it's it's one of those things where if if they're if they're saying they don't want to do it, then why would we want them to do it? Like that's been my point with a game like Redfall. That's been my point with you know a game like Naughty Dog's uh, Last of Us Online. If they're like, look, man, we don't want to do that. We don't want to support our a game like that with our entire studio. I I just I think we have to say sure. Then don't do something else. Then. You know, it sucks to see all the work scrapped. I don't know how many people have been working on it over the years. I don't know how far the game was in development, but it was like, I don't think that they anticipated the bandwidth required to support it. It took them four years to realize they didn't want to be a live service studio. I call BS, corporate speak, use live service buzzword to save face. That doesn't make any sense. Like, if you're trying to make sense of the situation, what you're saying doesn't make any sense. They made the decision in 2019 to separate it as its own thing. And then, as they're getting close to being like, hey, this thing, and uh, Druckmann said, wasn't it Druckmann that said it was like their most ambitious thing that they had ever built? Bungie takes one look at it and is like, this doesn't feel like you guys have something that's going to last. They were worried about longevity. That, that's, that's, that they were worried about longevity. Because it's like, if you're not equipped to build the content, you're just building a mode. I don't think that they're doing corporate speak. I think this is a direct result of Bungie's oversight. Bungie walked in the room and said, okay, cool, you got a great concept. Where's your content plan? 
where, where's your content plan? And if you're going to do a content plan, here's a mock content plan of what we did with Destiny. Here's what it took. And they're like, we're not, we're not doing that. I honestly think that they were, they were, uh, they had delusions of grandeur. Like they were just going to, we were going to push out something because The Last of Us is a popular IP, gives them some hubris and gives them some overconfidence. And they're like, yeah, we're just going to shove this out and we're going to say, we'll, we'll have this small team over here support it. I, I think that they completely overestimated what it would take to get a game like this going and off the ground. I don't think they're just like lying to us. The, the game was clearly built with the one leak screenshot. Like they have something. I don't think, and, and that's this is the problem with live service games in general. Their success and failure is not determined on quality. It's determined by longevity. That's a different metric entirely. You could play an amazing game right now by some small studio and it's balanced and it's fun and it's got super dope maps. You're like, this is really original. But if they're not equipped to have that thing go the distance, eventually players will stop playing. Eventually the player pool dries up and you're done. Like You're done. It's like, well, what, we don't, it's not going to work. We, what are we going to do with it? Now, what Erotimus is saying is something I actually thought they might do. They would take it and put it in the Last of Us 2 remaster. At the time, I was calling it the director's cut because I figured start calling everything a director's cut and then you can add new things or, you know, you can update features and then you, you charge existing people $10. Now, I speculated. I said, that's what they're going to do. They're going to call the director's cut and they're going to let people upgrade for 10 bucks. Well, they're calling it a remaster and they're letting people upgrade for 10 bucks. Now, I thought the same thing that Erotimus is saying. I thought, well, you could just put it in to the remaster as a game mode and just let people play. You don't got to support it. You don't, I'm not that you don't have to support it. You don't have to support it with like ongoing content. You don't need battle passes and everything else. Just like let people play it. More than likely, the problem is that's bandwidth they don't want to allocate. They don't want to allocate people to manage the servers. There need to be likely patches and updates just to make sure it's running well, you know, debugging, whatever. And they're like, we don't want to do that. You know, it also doesn't seem like they even consider that in the pipeline because they built a rogue mode for The Last of Us Part 2 remaster. They built a rogue mode. So it's like they they went in a completely different direction as far as I can tell. I mean, they didn't come out and say any of this, but it's like, I don't know how else you view it. They, they did a remaster and they said, hey, we're going to give you a free rogue mode. And I think internally, this was meant to be like its own thing. Eugene says, I already had my meltdown last time this topic came up, but the mistake was allowing it to grow beyond being capable of including it in The Last of Us Part 2. I just think everybody was staring at the gaming landscape in 2018 and I think they were saying uh, the, the, the landscape's changing, let's try to ride this wave. I truly think that. I really, really do. I mean, we don't have Titanfall 3 right now because of that. Yo, what's good feed? I see you in the chat. We don't have Titanfall 3. We have Apex Legends instead. Like, we, we had Realm Royale and, and, a, and a batch of other Battle Royales that just fell by the wayside. It's really hard to fault them for being like, yo, this game, you know, all it takes is one guy going in the office at any modicum of leadership level and he says, you guys seen this Fortnite game? I, 
I feel like I feel like our new version of factions could be like that. I feel like it could be a huge hit all on its own. And that just starts cooking up ideas about you're right. The Last of Us is hugely popular name and we've built this really good mode. I think we you're right. I think we could and they start iterating on all the different things they'd like to do and man they were probably off to the races. They thought they had this amazing amazing hit on their hands. Yo, Ragnarok comes in with a gifted member. Second gifted member of the day. Every 25, I give five guys. It's a joint effort. I pay it forward. So if we hit 25 new members on a day, I give five back. We've had some huge days. And if you guys can get it high enough this week, we'll do a night of Frickmas this Friday, and I'll be singing carols and having drinks with you. Do people update Ghost of Tsushima Legends? Why couldn't they just emulate this? Just offer some goodwill if they were opting out of the games of service proposition well what you're assuming is that they could just pivot it into that right you're assuming they could just take this thing that they built with like live service in mind for the last four years and just pivot it to a mode like um like legends zippy narwhal with a two dollar super chat says naughty dog cooked for years just to get the dish sent back. And then Parasito with the first five bomb of the day. Thank you so much, Parasito. Takes us to seven members on the day. Thank you, sir. Appreciate that. I Again, I, the, the presumption, I think that they could do that. I just don't agree. I mean, I 100% resonate with the people that are like, just just launch it so we can try it. I, I 100% get that. Like, just put it in The Last of Us 2 Remastered as a mode, like Ghost of Tsushima Legends. It's this thing off to the side, and all you got to do is make sure the servers are running. Like, just let us have it. I totally get that. I do. At some level, I agree with you. I'm like, if this thing gets enough grassroots support and people really shout and scream for it, maybe they can add it in to The Last of Us 2 Remaster later is a free update. I mean, we got a rogue mode in God of War Ragnarok. Stranger things have happened. But I don't know if it's safe to presume that like, oh yeah, you can just totally take this thing that they built as a standalone live service game and just shove it into remastered Last of Us 2 and make it and and make it a playable mode. He's obsessed with Redfall. Who's obsessed with Redfall? If you're talking about me, I always bring up Redfall as a perfect example of a good developer that gets asked to do something that's stupid, like it wasn't even their fault. I've seen I've seen folks claim that I blamed Xbox for Redfall. I've never done that. I have said every time it comes up, it's not Xbox's fault. It's not even really Arcane's fault. It's Zenimax's fault. Zenimax said, "We want a multiplayer game." And Arcane apparently didn't shout loud enough that they didn't have any interest in building a multiplayer game. This is extremely similar. You have a single-player studio that started to build something that they they thought they could shove out as live service, and somebody with live service experience walked in the room and was like, <laughs> you're not prepared, right? You know, to quote Kratos, they were like, you are not ready. You are not ready for the live service gamut. You're simply not. You've you've got something that looks nice and looks polished and you've only put half a tank of gas in it. Who's going to keep filling this thing up? And so, the back and forth 
probably at some level there was a this is what it takes this is what we've done with destiny and naughty dog said yeah i don't think that that's what we want to do that means shelving other projects that means pivoting away from being a, a, a single player game that means pivoting away from what we're known for you know and it it how do you not call that the right decision like I think the decision to build this as a standalone that was the mistake if people want to talk about bad decisions that was the bad decision that was the bad decision they looked at the landscape and said we can do what Fortnite's doing 100% we can do it and they found out four years later that it's not that simple and I think the thing that keeps coming back to my mind is everyone's acting like well, how stupid could you be? How could you build a game this long and not know that? Have you watched what's transpired for the last four years? The reason that people have such a high level of animosity towards live service games is because look how many have come out and failed. Look how many big studios thought, we're going we're gonna to do this thing, man. Look at Anthem as a prime example. What happened? A studio known for single player games tried to come out and really flex on the live service landscape and they were completely ill prepared. Bioware Magic didn't save the game at the final moments and there was no content plan. Like, if you just played Anthem, you just picked one of the the, the Javelins and you just played through the campaign... It was a good game. It wasn't excellent. It wasn't at the level of Bioware's history, but it was just like a good, good game. It was like, this is pretty fun. Combat's pretty fun. The movement and all of that was fresh and new. The flying and the slamming of the ground, it was awesome, okay? It was a fun game. But as soon as you got done with that, there was nothing on the other side. That th- We've been watching this happen for four years. We've been watching this happen for four years. If there's one thing I'll fault Naughty Dog for is apparently not paying attention to the landscape. Like, that's what I would tell them. That's the question I would have. Like, have have you guys been watching the live service landscape, like, at all? You didn't realize this a couple of years ago? Did none of you pay attention to Anthem? You see what I'm saying? Shelly says, I'm devastated as you know. The likely reason they can't put it into The Last of Us 2 or even Part 3 is because they've likely opted to write it off for a rebate to recoup costs. You explain that to me. How's that function? I'm not familiar with that. Parasita says, Something as revolutionary as Fortnite hitting an ecosystem that's stagnating is always going to have extremely long-lasting results from everything shifting to accommodate uh, at the outset. That's what I'm saying. Like, they... I, I, again, that's the question I have for Naughty Dog. Is like, were you not paying attention to the landscape? You guys didn't realize this two years ago? A year or two ago, you weren't like, wow, it seems like live service games are really, really tough. It seems like we're really going to need to have a lot of content. And no one asked the question at the offices to be like, well, who's going to make that content? You know, again, maybe they were a little doe eyed about it. Jim Ryan sure didn't. 
I'm not sure why you would invoke Jim Ryan. Jim Ryan was the one who said we need to do live service because it's a, it's a it's a significant future in the gaming space, and they go and get Bungie to help. I feel like Jim Ryan did look at the landscape and make a decision to quite literally keep things like this from happening. Like I don't think Naughty Dog was paying attention to the landscape. If it took Bungie to walk in the room and like ring their bell to be like, "What are y'all doing? This isn't you. You didn't build a game that can last. This 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 game's got two months shelf life. Maybe the only way you're going to get this thing off the ground is with tons of content. And if you're not willing to build it, then shut the whole thing down. You don't you you're not prepared to do what you set out to do. I don't think you can fault Jim. Faulting Jim Ryan doesn't make any sense." Like, what What did Jim Ryan have to do with this decision? Naughty Dog made the decision four years ago. The announcement about the live service push was in 2022. The Naughty Dog's decision to do this predates Sony or Jim Ryan's efforts to increase their, their live service presence. And the funding was announced this year. It's 2023. So four years later, they say, we're going to increase our investment into live service. And they've recently come out and said, that's the continued plan. They've just adjusted the timeline of instead of 12 games uh, by 2026, they've said there'll be six. I don't I don't see any reason to invoke blaming him. It just doesn't make any sense. That feels more motivated by something else. Like, it doesn't feel motivated by, like, fact-finding and timeline breaking down. Like, let's break down the timeline. It doesn't. It doesn't make sense. Like Occam's Razor, the most simplistic. This most simplistic summary is: Naughty Dog thought they had something special four years ago, and Bungie walked in the room and gave him a wake-up call and was like, "This thing isn't gonna. What do you do? What do y'all? What do y'all think you're doing here?" And they said, "We, we can't do this." That doesn't seem to have anything to do with him. Jim Ryan was ahead of PlayStation, of course. This is his mismanagement. Again, I just think the insistence on blaming Jim Ryan or Sony is more driven by antagonism toward the console. That doesn't that doesn't line up with any any of the logic of the of the decision making. Naughty Dog seems to be functioning pretty autonomously in this decision. Four years ago, they decide we're not going to ship it with The Last of Us Part Two, and then what's what's Jim Ryan do with management? Seriously, analyze it. What's he do? He brings in a company to assess the quality and the viability of the live service games. And what's the result? Your game's not going to last. That actually sounds like good management. Now, it's it's too little too late for a game like Factions, but the play that he put in place comes well after Naughty Dog's decision. So if Naughty Dog makes this decision internally and they, they, they're allowed to do this, as far as we can tell, these companies are not, not functioning at the behest of him. Like, hey, is this cool if we do this? Is this cool if we decide not to do this or to do this? I don't think so. I don't think it's run that way. These, these companies don't operate. You'd never get anything done. If every major decision like that, they'd be like, well, we got to go ask Big Jimbo about this. The point of the the point of the live service push from Ryan is if we're gonna do this, we need to have somebody like Bungie ensure that we're ready to go. More than likely, this was the result of analyzing the landscape and saying almost nobody's surviving the live service gauntlet. These guys have. 
Well, Bungie's in such a bad state right now, they have no right to talk. They're the best people to talk about a live service game right now. They're the best. Because they've got nine years and they seem to be on the decline. That's great insight. That That's insight you can't... Well, I mean, you can buy it because Sony bought it, but that's crazy insight into, well, how do you successfully do this? Let's say you have a live service game that essentially their plan is to survive for five or six years. Well, Bungie could tell you exactly how to do that. If you want to survive for 10 to 15 years, I don't think Bungie could tell you how to do that. I think they've... I think they've hit the same wall. No, I believe that was misreported. The Max Payne voice actor, I believe it was a different person. A lot of things got misreported over the weekend, and retractions are already out in place. It's sad for us Factions fans because they didn't remake Factions in PS5 Remake because they'd assume they'd have Factions 2 out. Now we're sort of empty-handed. The PS4 servers won't be live forever. No rings today? No, I haven't been wearing them for a while. When it gets cold, they constantly fall off. It's been weeks since I've worn them. You just now noticed. I think what happens with a lot of the blame so-and-so has a lot to do with people not understanding how companies work overall. Jim is not overlooking the lowest part of the totem pole. That's what I'm saying is he operates at the top level and at the top level looks at the industry and says if we're actually going to push out live service games then we're going to need to talk to people who know how to do this because there's big studios out here falling flat on their face and that's not something that we want to do so they're willing to spend pretty big chunk of money to get Bungie and then they spend extra money to retain Bungie's talent for an entire year that was that expired, and then they missed their they missed their uh, their targets, and then you know people had to be laid off. So, I, faulting him just seems weird to me. It doesn't. I think too often in these discussions, people are more interested in 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 discussing things in the realm of this this like almost like comic book version of video game land, where their hero over here is better than this guy over here. So they'll wail on that guy as if he's the villain. That's why there's people out there claiming that Jim Ryan was fired when he wasn't. That's why people are out there claiming that like, oh, they're they're reversing his decision on live service. They literally just announced that this year. The increase in funding was quite literally announced this year. I don't think specifically on Jim Ryan, but SIE does have an internal board that reviews these projects to canceling or going forward. They have a lot of freedom, but Naughty Dog wouldn't have solely made the decision without SIE's blessing to sign off. Right, but it's it's such an easy business decision to make. It it you think SIE is going to say no? Turn your entire studio into a live service studio and cancel all your single player projects. You're more you're 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 better known for single player projects, but like of course SIE signed off on this. The point I was making is SIE or Jim are not the causality here. Everybody always wants to misdiagnose and say that 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 guy at the top's a causality. They do the same thing to Phil Spencer. They act like Phil Spencer is is basically every developer and every engineer on every project. And it's like that's just not how these systems work. Now, I've consistently said that I believe Xbox needs better oversight. That's why that clip resurfaced of me saying Xbox needs 
a Bungie, and I consistently said it should be id software i think id software should be tasked with overseeing some of the projects at some level now they probably don't have any interest in that but if you're going to be shipping projects you want them to come out ready to go and if you're stepping into a landscape you've never stepped into before like live service it makes perfectly good sense for jim ryan to say we need oversight from somebody who gets this you know somebody that's done this before Instead of just being like, well, let's just play the numbers game. Everybody else played the numbers game. They just tossed out as many live service games as they could, as many battle royales as they could, and we just, you know, people just hope for the best. And it just didn't work. Plenty of live service games failed because they either didn't have enough content or enough players. That guy's a... That guy is not real, Alapark. He's been called out before. I'm pretty sure that's a fake account on Twitter. I don't think that's a real guy. When Redfall failed, Phil Spencer took responsibility for that game. But you can't put this management on Naughty Dog game at Jim Ryan feet. Well, those are completely different scenarios, Erotimus. Those are completely different scenarios. If this game, if, if, if The Last of Us Factions would have launched and was garbage... You better believe I'd be looking to Jim Ryan to be like, yo, what's with the internal... You have these internal mechanisms to make sure this doesn't happen. What do you... What's going on? That's not... That, that's not even relatable because Jim Ryan literally put in management procedures and oversight to keep the public from getting a piece of crap. That's not comparable at all. The internal mechanisms at Xbox had Redfall scoring double digits higher than it did. And it's fallen lower since then. So it's more than double digits below where where their internal mechanisms had it landing. That's why I said they need a bungee. If you compare the two, it's not comparable at all. Microsoft's internal mechanism should have canceled Redfall, and it didn't. It shoved it out. And people bought up people bought is the is the bite back stuff ever coming out? Have we even gotten an update on that? What about all the people that bought the Redfall Biteback Edition? Are they going to get their stuff? Now, you brought up Redfall, and you brought up how uh, that was, that you know, Phil Spencer took responsibility for that. Yes, because they launched, they launched it. A canceled game so that nobody buys it, nobody spends a dime in the game, nobody gets taken for a ride. That, Jim Ryan doesn't need to come out and say, yeah, sorry about that canceled game, that's on me. What the frick? What? That wouldn't make any sense. That's literally what these mechanisms are for. Like quality assurance mechanisms that ensure games don't launch in the state that Redfall launched quite literally requires, yes, ownership from the leadership to say, yeah, this is not a good look for us to launch a game this bad. It's, it's, it's completely different. It's a completely different scenario. I would rather any of these companies, it doesn't matter who it is, We'll take my favorite game as of late. One of my favorite games as of late. I'd rather Sucker Punch cancel the next Ghost of Tsushima instead of launch one that scores as bad as Redfall did. Don't don't even ship it. If it's going to launch and score that poorly, just shut the whole thing down. Don't, Don't push it out. Don't sully the brand. Don't sully your brand. 
Don't even do that. Don't even do that. Like, I would much rather Sucker Punch be like, this thing's a disaster. It's been mismanaged. We tried to incorporate all this multiplayer crap, and it ruined the game, and it ruined the engine, and it's going to get like a 40 or a 50 on Metacritic. That's where we think this thing's going to land. That's how bad it is. I'd be like, then cancel it. Don't just shove it out. I don't want that to be the the history of of Ghost of Tsushima and Sucker Punch. Redfall, even at a 6 out of 10 game, is still okay, to be fair, partly because of subservice. I mean, acting as if that game's okay is an insult to players everywhere. It was a piece of garbage, and it wasn't ready to launch. It wasn't. It wasn't, it wasn't even prepared for launch. To act like it's okay, it only got a 6 out of 10 because there's people in there that were giving it 8s to, to keep the score from falling into the abyss. It doesn't have a 6 out of 10 from the users. They matter way more. I enjoyed Redfall more than Baldur's Gate 3. I mean, I don't know what you've you've I don't know what wavelength you're on, but okay. That's like saying you enjoyed the day before more than God of War. It doesn't even make any sense. The point is is that I would much rather a company have mechanisms in place that keep me and the public from buying and playing crap. Like, that's something that you should celebrate. You shouldn't be like, well, at least we got a game. It's got a 4 or 5 out of 10, but what what the Where are we? Like, why would, why would that be better? Like, the people that are, like, telling Naughty Dog just to release the game. Like, what? Why? It's clearly not ready. It clearly would look bad. It would look bad on the company to push out the game. And then what's the headline? What do you think the headline is? In a month. Last of Us Online player pool plummets. Last of Us Online player count cut in half. Like, you see what I'm saying? Like, that's not, you don't want to do that to your brand. That doesn't even make any sense. A five spot from God to your greatness with a five spot. Uh, I said it once, I'll say it again. You're only as good as your last game. Right. Tudor Forever says, Tlu Online being canceled isn't Sony's fault. It's the result of the of a studio that believed their own hype and got reality checked by Bungie. Shooter Forever, that's exactly what I've been saying. That's exactly what I've been saying. The reason it didn't come out is because Sony, under Jim Ryan's leadership, set up mechanisms to be like, if we're going to do live service, we're going to do it right. And apparently Naughty Dog wasn't prepared. They were ill-prepared. And what it would have taken for them to properly launch it would have been, they would have had to completely change the nature of the studio, and they weren't willing to do that. And... I don't think we want any company doing that. I don't want any company saying, all right, well, we have an incredibly impressive catalog of, uh, of fighting games, but uh, we were doing this little sim project on the side, and we're, we're a sim studio now. Like, you don't want a studio completely jettisoning out from what they're known for. You know what would have happened had they done that? They'd have lost so much talent, people would have walked. People would have been like, I don't want to work at this studio now. That's not what I signed up for. You just canceled my single-player project so that I can work on some live service game? What am I making? Skins? What am I doing? Maps? Guns? This isn't what I wanted to do. You would lose talent. You would The, the, the studio wouldn't even look the same in a couple of years. That, it would have been terrible. 
Uh, Victory with six months says, with Naughty Dog's statement on this, I finally moved to your position on Bungie. I kept blaming Bungie, but you're right. Bungie may have opened their eyes. I mean, I appreciate that concession. I have had people beat me up in the comments and on and in the chat. They're like, dude, the, Bungie had no right. You don't know what you're talking about. You know, no, that's an insult to Naughty Dog. Uh, <laughs> with respect... I think that you're wrong. I think that Naughty Dog got a little too ambitious. They said this was their most ambitious project. They did. And I don't think that that was a lie. I think that was the truth. I think I think it was their most ambitious project. And I think it was so ambitious that in order for it to survive, other things would have to die. And that reality check, I think, just completely lampooned the game ever coming out you know I don't think T. Lou online would have been bad the devs said it was the best thing they've worked on I just think Naughty Dog didn't want to turn into a full live service studio and abandon a single player right and Mr. B that's what I had said from the very beginning I said I have no doubt they made a great mode like no doubt at all that they were able to build a really good mode I, I was like I'm sure it's good that doesn't mean you're going to play it in two months that doesn't mean you're going to play it in three months I mean how many of you had a really fun time in Splitgate remember that you guys remember Splitgate it rose to prominence to such a degree that uh, it, it rose to prominence to such a degree that they didn't have enough servers okay well, what did a lot of us do with Splitgate? We just stopped playing. Why? It wasn't because the game was bad. It wasn't because the developers were bad. It was because that's just what people do. You just naturally drift from games like that. Why? There's not a lot of sticking power to a mode, to a, you know... I missed the intro, my bad. No, the only time I ever reference back and tell you, oh yeah, I said that in the show opener, I said that, I just want you to know, like, we're on the same wavelength. Like, I'm not saying it to, like, act like you shouldn't you shouldn't have said that. I'm saying, yeah, man, I said that in the show open. I'm trying to affirm what you're saying is what I'm, is when I do that. Maybe I'm not doing a good job in how I say that. Like, yeah, man, totally agree. I said the same thing in the show open. Like, I'm trying to affirm what you're saying whenever I do that. Oh, Splitgate, can you still play that? I think so. Remember the Destiny template was a $500 million investment from Activision, basically a risk-free game for Bungie. Uh, hang on. Legend says, most communities for LS game, live service games are like piranhas. The amount of content required to keep them satisfied is never enough. Even those who are prepared struggled and sometimes fail. Yeah, I mean, as... As good as the content rhythm was at Destiny's height, you still had hardcore players that were bored after like I don't even know. A, like 2 weeks sometimes. You know. Rock said he's going to be doing Justice League for years, so we're likely not getting any more from them anymore. Yeah, I feel like studios like that, it's almost like the goal was to do that to maybe to fund other projects or something. I don't know. 
Like, why? <laughs> why would, uh... Th- that one doesn't make any sense to me. Unless they just wanted to branch out. I don't know why that would be the choice to say, we've made these games all these years and now we're doing this style. Unless, excuse me, unless you're trying to fund something else. And you think you can make, like, a ton of money. They announced that support will stop for the game so they can work on their next. I'm not talking about once the Splitgate developers announce that. You guys know what I'm talking about. This is conventional wisdom. This is readily accessible player behavior. You all know that you do it. You play a new game. It's hype. It's fun. All your buds are playing it. It's it, Your freaking playlist is full of people playing it. And as time goes on, what what's everybody do? Everybody stops playing. Everybody, everybody stops playing. And so when that happens, these developers have got to be prepared with some way of bringing them back. Joker Quinn with another gifted member. Joker Quinn, did I call out your, your one from a little bit ago or did I miss it? Joker Quinn, you gifted one before God tier greatness did a $5 super chat. I think I called that out. Bumping the line to eight, almost halfway to the 25. Thank you so much. Ryan made decision on changing Sony's focus based on making more capital that went against Sony's established model, and even Naughty Dog was developing t 2 since 2014. Jim Ryan did not make a decision to focus on more capital that goes against their established model. That's incorrect at a financial level. That's not true. Their webcast this year showed that their investment in the traditional model and traditional games is increasing. It's going up to higher than it's ever been and they are also increasing huge significant amount of money into live service so what you're saying is simply not true see so many people do this they set up what is a it's it's what's referred to as a false binary like you're setting up like it's black and white so because and a lot of people believe this they believe they believe that because they're increasing their funding in the live service games that traditional games aren't getting any more funding like they're shifting away from them like it's like no it can be what's called a both and this is not an either or okay either we do live service or we do traditional no it's not either or it's a both and we're increasing our funding in traditional games and we're going to increase our funding into live service it's both And everybody keeps setting up this dire situation where Sony's in trouble and Sony's turning their back on what made them great. And it's like, there's no, there's just no evidence of that. They just pushed out a free DLC for God of War Ragnarok. Like, are we kidding? Like, what? come on. DK Baker gifts a member. John Lanham gifts a member. Taking us to 10 members on the day. Thank you guys so much for doing that. Oops. I didn't mean to hit enter. There we go. And Stone Spire hits eight months, and he's a VIP. Love this community and the conversations we have. Don't forget, you can upgrade for an extra content at the end of the day for $1 if you're already a member. Keep up the great work. Thank you, Stone Spire, for letting people know about that. There was a developer who was working on the game who's currently at Fire Sprite. Said it was the best multiplayer game they'd ever played. It's a shame. I, I don't I don't doubt at all. 
I call you John Lanham. Oh my gosh, I'm sorry. Jordan Lanham. <laughs> John Lanham, that's me. I'm like trying to look back and forth from chat to OBS. <laughs> oh man, I'm sorry about that, Jordan. <laughs> uh, guys, we are one hour into the stream. Do me a favor, smash that like button. Almost 600 people here. We should easily have 300 likes by now, so let's push that number. A lot of the times it's not been saving your like, so if you're lurking and you're, you're going through that ritual, make sure it saved your like button. YouTube's been kind of messing with the front end, and it's been it's been messing some certain things up. Like view counts don't look right, light counts don't look right, and then they all get fixed later. So just double check that and make sure you're doing that. There are other ways to support the channel as well. Hit subscribe so you can talk in the chat. That gets you, you know, sort of into the conversation, but it also makes you eligible for gifted memberships if you select yes. You can support the channel directly with a membership. That helps me, supports the channel. We're almost never doing sponsored segments. We have sponsors that we talk about but you're not like tuning into a sponsored stream largely this channel is sponsored by you with the memberships and the gifted memberships it's how we do what we do i'm a full-time streamer with a channel that only has like thirty thousand subscribers that's quite literally because of the paying members and then we also have coffee coffee drinkers be sure to check out reforgeroast.com uh the flavor profiles are all listed there I thought that that's been... I thought that was walked back. I thought... I saw retractions this morning about that actor who had passed away. I saw... I saw two different people in my timeline saying that it was a different John McCaffrey. Did the real, in fact, John McCaffrey voice actor Max Payne, did he actually pass away? I saw two retractions this morning. Players want more from the games and some sort of live service makes sense. Console sales are not growing at a rate uh, gen on gen to support the dev of some of these AAA games. Hang on. Oh, console sales not growing at a rate to support the dev cost of some of these games? I don't understand what you're saying. <laughs> console sales are for PlayStation are exceeding previous generation. Why, why would that why would that not be at a rate to support the games that we're continuing to get anyway I don't understand what you're saying we're getting games we're getting AAA games we're getting AAA budgets a two spot from victory what could be the reason for not passing it off well number one you would need a studio the size of Naughty Dog to support it is there you think there's a studio just sitting around not not doing anything? <laughs> They're just like, hey, we're not doing anything. You know? We'll we'll take it. You know, I it's not I don't think it's that simple. Oh, it broke 15 minutes ago. Oh, I saw tweets hours ago. I, I saw somebody retracting their tweet and saying that it was a different John McCaff a James McCaffrey and that they had made a mistake. Maybe they thought it was a mistake because it hadn't been confirmed yet or something. A lot of times when those um, reports about celebrity deaths and stuff come out, a lot of the times it'll come from, you know, Twitter accounts where you're not sure if it's real. Because people do this, right? They try to fake celebrity deaths all the time. So, yeah, I saw I saw two different tweets this morning of people retracting and saying that he wasn't dead. Uh, 
Uh, ben Studios Uncharted debacle scared them off. Naughty Dog notoriously controlling their IP. Well, yeah, you you it's it's a combination of things. Do they even want to hand it off to somebody else? You know, do you want some other studio managing your property? Imagine you hand The Last of Us Online off to another studio and they just completely mismanage it and they're scummy with the micros and they and they do stuff and updates and patches and they do all kinds of stuff that that picks everybody off. Well, you don't want people you don't want some other studio doing that to your property. Oh, now he's got another he says sorry, it seems to be true. This guy retracted because he wasn't 100% sure, but it seems to be getting confirmed now. Okay. Well, that's my mistake. I mean, like I said, I saw a guy this morning saying that, oh, it's not true. It was somebody else. With a name like James McCaffrey, right? There's probably other James McCaffreys in the world, and I think he thought it was a false positive. Shelly says, so what does this mean for other live games from Sony Studios? Are they doomed? Will they ever do single player again? Is this why Horizon's outsourcing to NCSoft? Yeah, I made sure to include that in the show open, Shelly, because I think that's a really good question. I actually think... I think Sony knew this maybe even before Naughty Dog did. I think they knew we, we need help. We need oversight. So they got Bungie. And then it was reported in the middle of last year that they were tapping NCSoft to help with the uh, to help with the uh, Horizon multiplayer game. Well, it was reported Horizon MMO. Now, according to Guerrilla, they have like sixteen different projects in the pipeline for for uh, for for this for for, for Horizon's uh, property. 16 different why does it not let me middle click on these it's so annoying um sorry i was distracted i was yeah you know, I, I like middle clicking things open into a new tab and it wasn't letting me but yeah they're like 16 projects they're working on for horizon so the question is it's like okay how are you guys working on all of that do you because look at what naughty dog's saying naughty dog's saying if we were going to support this live service game we're going to have to convert like the whole studio and gorillas over there is like we got 16 projects we're cooking up brother like okay well how are how are they doing that you know i don't know i don't know how they're doing it and if ncsoft is helping you know to what degree is ncsoft helping would be would be my question because if they're if if NCSoft are they building it are they going to support it are they going to manage the server infrastructure like there's a lot of questions there 16 yeah there was an interview there was an interview and I read it and I was like 16 I was like what the huh I was like how like how are you going to make that many you know we'll have to wait and see we'll have to wait and see because the way I see it is if they're going to pivot away from single player they're going to face the exact same challenges that Naughty Dog is facing they're going to face the exact same challenges because you you cannot I don't think you can venture into live service just with like well we made a really good mode no, okay that, that doesn't matter you making a really good mode 
doesn't is there more is required than that as i've said recently if you're going to try and build a live service game you got to be prepared to answer psychological questions and it sounds like even beyond the psychological questions you've got to have a firm understanding of the bandwidth required to support a game like this i don't think i just i do not think you can just haphazardly say Oh yeah, we have a multi. We have a we have a, we have a multiplayer. We have a multiplayer game. Well, okay. What? That's great. What are you going to do in the game long term? So, do we see a Naughty Dog game this generation? Um. Yeah, I would think so. I mean, we know they're building something new. They're building like a brand new single player experience. Production or pre production started for The Last of Us Part Three. They, everything is going to be tangled up with the TV show as well. So, I would imagine that whenever they want to pivot the show to whatever happens beyond The Last of Us Part Two, that's when I would anticipate them starting to market Part Three. I don't know if the entirety of The Last of Us Part Two as a game. Is the entirety of that game going to be contained in Season 2? Because the entirety of The Last of Us Part 1 is contained in Season 1. So that's going to be an interesting conundrum for them. Like, are they going to do that? Are they going to basically wrap on Season 2 of the show and they're out of game They're out of game content at that point? Well, then what do you do? If they just started on The Last of Us Part 3 that means we likely see it in like 2028 which goes to your question are we going to see a last of us this gen i have speculated this gen lasts longer than the previous gen and i think when they launch the ps5 pro end of next year i think that's the halfway point so i would imagine they don't even start marketing or talking about the next gen console until 2028 or 2029 and then Last of Us Part 3 could be a cross-gen seller. It, it could be the next... It could be a PS6 seller that, that, that still runs on PS5, but it could be like Ragnarok and Forbidden West were, where they tap into the new console's power. Oh, they said Last of Us Part 2 will be two seasons. Okay, thank you. I didn't know that. I wasn't following the show that closely. I mean, I watched it, but with the writer's strike, I just, I couldn't look at any news about any shows or movies because it was always bad. <laughs> it was always bad. I was like, I don't want to I don't read any of this. It's depressing. All of our shows and movies are getting shuffled back because of corporate greed. Um, yeah, so, I mean, I, I would imagine that that's the plan with The Last of Us Part 3. So, yeah, you're going to get a Last of Us Part 3 this gen, but it's going to be a cross-gen title with the next console would be my estimation. Now, whatever this other new single-player game that they're working on where they were like, let us cook, I think that drops this gen, but we don't know what that is. The PS5 Pro releases September of next year, according to Jeff Grubb. Hmm. I mean, I was thinking it'd be holiday, but maybe September allows them to capitalize on the whole fourth quarter. PS6 seller. Yo, what's good, RT Mayday? Are we already at a point where the PS6 talked about even in theory? Oh, of course. Yeah, you always have to think about with how long these projects are now getting. The Yeah, the PlayStation 6 is a part of the conversation now. 100%. 
Because any game that starts production this year or next year is going to land in 2028 and 2029. Well, it stands to reason that around that time you're seeing the PlayStation 6 rear its head. Because next year is 2024. I believe that's basically the halfway mark of this gen. That's what I believe PlayStation's plan is. And if that's the case, then PS6 is 2028, 2029, which means all projects currently starting right now, all big, large-scale AAA projects starting right now, they have their sights set on cross-gen. Unless the PlayStation 6 is is, is further out, because I said I could even see them pushing it even further. They could say 2030. They could try to get way more out of the PS5's life because of what they've been able to leverage with the devs and with the PS5 Pro. I mean, again, that's pure speculation, but it wouldn't surprise me at all if they try to get more life out of this gen and and bump PS6 all the way back to like 2030. But again, that would be a change of plans. That would be a change of plans. And I think that change of plans would be related to the fact that the first two years, 2020 and 2021, were not an ideal launch. I feel like 2022 is like the true launch of PS5 and that would mean 7 to 8 years puts us at 2030. They didn't remaster or remake TLU 2 and 1 not to have TLU 3 on PS5. Yeah, I'm not saying they would skip it, Eugene. I'm just saying it would end up being a cross-gen title unless my previous predictions about this gen come true. If the PlayStation 6 is like 2030, then sure, The Last of Us Part 3 will be a big PS5, you know, game. But again, I just, with how long development takes, and the fact that they're working on more than one project, I don't see The Last of Us Part 3 landing shorter than five years from now. A five spot from Kira He says, Hey Lono, just want to say again how important your streaming content is. Big thank you, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Thank you for the five spot, Kira He. If you guys are enjoying the show, there's a bunch of ways to support it. The best way to support it is to hit the like button, hit subscribe, and then gift some members. You can gift a couple. You can do a single, like Kira He just did. Thank you so much for gifting a member, paying that forward to somebody else. Every 25, I give five members back to the community. We're maintaining and holding about 2,000 members, which is incredible. Not to derail the discussion, but I think PS5 Gen for Sony is going to be extended due to the lack of pressure from competitors to compete on power moving forward. I mean, I think that would be a factor, but I think what's more of a factor is the first two years. The first two years are more of a factor. Like, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if that's a factor, if like, if Xbox, in my estimation and in, in my predictions, they're abandoning the power narrative. Now, there's new rumors surfacing that they are going to have some really strong console coming. I think a lot of people are misfiring because the internal documents were unclear and even Phil has said that their next piece of hardware will not be what everybody else is doing. I believe that's the cloud hybrid. I, I could be wrong, but that's what I believe. I believe when he says that, he's pointing to the next the next console being a different push from them. Now, let's just say that happens hypothetically and there is no powerful console competing with PS5 and PS5 Pro, that could play a part in the gen extending. I think what primarily is going to cause this gen to extend is the first two years. 
I think TLU 3 is farther along than people think. I thought they indicated just this year that they started working on it. Is it okay for consoles to be that far behind PC hardware? Really asking. I mean, did it hurt the PlayStation 4? Has it hurt the Nintendo Switch? I mean, two of the most sold consoles, two of the most sold consoles in history, and I mean, one of them is is incredibly weak. I don't know. I think it comes down to I think it comes down to the consumers, and if the consumers are getting what they think is good enough, and they feel like they're getting the steady trickle of games that they expect, and their their entrance into the marketplace is, you know, five to six hundred dollars. I don't think it's a concern of them to be like, oh, but you know, my 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 PS5 Pro is not strong as these amazing PCs out there. I don't feel like that's had an impact on the console market ever. I don't feel like that's a concern of the console user base. I mean, mobile gaming exploded on devices that aren't anywhere nearly as strong as consoles and or PCs. I don't think that the market is necessarily dependent upon that. They're just different market niches. Right. The only way you would stop seeing consoles, you know, get support as they lag behind in hardware is if there was a monetary reason. If the consumers themselves were vacating that portion of the industry and flocking to PC. PC gaming is growing at a far higher rate versus console install bases. It would only speed that up. Yeah, but again, I think it's it's just presumptive to think that because the PC market is growing that other markets can't be running alongside of them quite successfully. PS5's on pace to outsell its previous gen. We have no idea what the next Nintendo Switch will do. I don't think anybody anticipated the first Nintendo Switch hitting 130 million in saturation. Um so I just I don't know. I don't th- I think we again you're falling into the trap of a false binary. That like, well, if PC grows and PC stronger, then this ecosystem over here becomes irrelevant. And it's like, that hasn't happened in the history of consoles, and that's always been the case. When the PlayStation 4 Pro dropped, it wasn't that hard and it wasn't that expensive to build a PC that was way stronger than it. It wasn't. You know? And it didn't seem to matter. We're talking in another four years, though, right? And the PS5 ecosystem is built on a more premium experience. Yeah. Let me ask you something. Where's all the marketing for these high-fidelity PC-only games? I think that'd be the issue, Zubair, is how do you get the games in front of people? Have you ever watched... You've watched the PC game show with me, haven't you? It's not... It doesn't even seem like it's like... How are you going to siphon those users over? I guess that'd be my question. How do you get in front of PlayStation owners to say... PC's better. Who's who's footing that marketing bill? What company's going to do that? Like the marketing foothold that both Nintendo and PlayStation has, what's how how is PC going to crack that nut to be like, "Well, you can get a PC and it's far better than those consoles you guys are buying." And those consoles are falling behind on graphical fidelity. Who's footing that bill? What company? I, who who's going to do that? In, in, in a grand enough stage to siphon players over out of the console marketplace without the IP, mind you. How are they going to do it without the IP? You're going to get Nintendo players to stop buying Nintendo with what? 
benchmark tests in NVIDIA of some new game that they don't care about? You would need the IP. You're not moving people from Nintendo without the IP. You just aren't. Team's got the opportunity. Word of mouth. You think you can get word of mouth on graphical fidelity at a strong enough fever pitch to get people to leave Nintendo? I just I don't see it. Look at Nintendo right now. They they launched a calculator. Like the Nintendo Switch is so weak. And look at its market dominance. I think there's a fundamental misunderstanding of what gamers prioritize. I think some of you guys get too deep into the PC realm. You project and you think, well, this is what everybody cares about because I care about it. I don't think so. I'm, I'm fully interwoven into the gaming market and I don't give a frick about any of that. I know I play games on my TV at lower graphical fidelity than you do. I know that I played Cyberpunk at lower graphical fidelity than you do. And I don't care. I don't care. I played Super Mario Brothers Wonder on my couch numerous times with my family and had a blast. I don't give a rip about the graphical fidelity. I... I just don't think I, I think there's a fundamental misunderstanding of what like will gamers prioritize this and if the PlayStation 5 and the PlayStation 5 Pro and the Nintendo Switch 2 if they fall behind what the PCs can do you, yeah that's a, that's a problem I don't think so it, it would only be a problem again like I said at the very beginning of this if the audience itself started like mass exodusing over to PC and how are you going to do that what about 30 FPS? Would you care then? Well, of course, but I don't see that going backwards. I don't see us going backwards on frames per second. It's been too damaging to game launches. Games launching without 60 FPS, I mean, 60 FPS trends, like games that launch without it. I mean, you want to point to Starfield. That's the exception to the rule. And its financial success l- literally lasted for that month. And every month after, it wasn't charting at the top anymore. Word of mouth spread, the user scores plummeted, and nobody's that game's not going to sell on Steam with its current score. No one's buying that in grand numbers. Nobody goes to Steam and buys a game with a score that low. Same with the Xbox Store, the user store. You, you go to the actual Xbox Store and you go to buy Starfield, who's buying that with that low score? Low scores diminish a game's sales. So... I think 30 FPS has been a, a damage. It's been it's been harmful to games launching, whether it's Gotham Knights or Starfield or Redfall. It's extremely damaging. I don't see them going backwards on that. Like, if you think because PCs get stronger in 2026 or 2027, I'm going to be playing 30 FPS games on my PS5 Pro, I think you've got the whole AAA development pipeline backwards. I think you've got it backwards. GTA 6 is going to walk out in 2025 and say consoles first. That's market impacting. Like, I don't think you're looking at the AAA pipeline appropriately if you think, well, PCs are going to get really strong and then you're going to be playing 30 FPS games. No, I'm not. You're going to be waiting for ports is what's going to be happening. That's that's already happening. You're, You're already waiting for ports. Because of because of how the AAA pipeline works, not every AAA game, but a lot of the AAA pipeline focuses on the consoles first. And not, I mean, and if GTA Six does it, I just think that sends a loud and clear message. I don't see graphical fidelity becoming that big of a priority in the consumer's mind. 
Real Troll with 18 months and a VIP. As long as consoles cost a reasonable price and push out performance on par with mid-level PCs and cost twice as much, the market isn't going anywhere. I care about these things so much, it's hard to imagine not caring about these things, I can admit that. Well, Zubair, listen to what Trill Troll just said. How many people in the PC marketplace are on a mid-level PC and down? How many? How many? So that's the question. If that level, if that amount of the PC landscape is okay with mid-level performance and down... Well, then that's your answer. What percentage of the PC marketplace is even on the front edge of the wave? We've had this conversation before. You 4090 guys are nothing in the grand scheme of things. You're nothing. You're not even a slice of the pie. No one's marketing to you at grand scale. No one's like, we need to make sure our next big AAA release really does all these amazing things for all the guys that own 4090s. Why would they do that? You're the smallest slice of the gaming market if there ever was one. They're not going to do that. If they sell to you, they end up having to put a bunch of stuff in there that's either going to make the game run poorly on the on the consoles, or if you're running it on a, a weaker rig, you got to turn off all the pretty stuff. That's not that's not good optics. That's not good focus. Like, well, we're going to focus on all this amazing stuff that can only run on top level rigs, which represent the smallest portion of the PC landscape. Great, you got a forty ninety. Great, you're an early adopter. Great, you love path tracing. You're a dot on a chart. They're not going to market to you. Who are you? It would be like marketing to the people with the weakest rigs as well. In four years, that middle part of the bell is going to shift up a bit too. I mean, maybe that's why the PS5 Pro is coming, Zubair. The point being that the front wave of what PCs can do has is never driving what AAAs are doing because AAAs have to be on the consoles. They've got to be able to run on mid-gen on mid-gen rigs, you know, mid-level PCs. And if you market to only the top, you're marketing to the smallest subset. They start talking about path tracing and their their recommended specs say 4090. I'll oh, forget it. Forget it. You're you're not your game is gonna do terribly. People are gonna be like, I can't even play the game <laughs> unless I buy a rig. And what Trill is saying, if you can go to the store and buy a PS5 Pro, you know, for five or six hundred bucks, or maybe the PS6 comes out, you can buy a PS6 for five or six hundred bucks, and you're staring down the barrel of a PC of equal strength being around, we don't know where prices will be, but just imagine it's more. Right now it's more. If you want to buy a PlayStation 5, it's cheaper than buying like a mid-level rig. And I know these guys, there was that guy on Twitter who tried to check me, but he had to go to like eBay and buy used parts to get the price of a PC down low enough. Do you think the average consumer is going to do that? You think the average consumer is going to be like browsing eBay for used video cards? No. They're going to look at the PCs in the store. They're going to look at pre-built rigs on websites that sell PCs. And they're going to say gaming rigs are easily almost always over $1,000. And this thing's about half of that. that. That console wins that contest every time to John Q. Public who doesn't know all this stuff. John Q. Public's going to be like, the gaming rigs at the store, the gaming rigs on the websites, the gaming rigs on Amazon, they're all around $1,000 and up, $1,500 and up. 
I can buy a console that I plug into the wall and I plug into my TV for one third to half of that. Well, John Q. Public's always going to choose that. He's never, ever going to go and oh, I'm gonna, I got to go shop on Newegg and then I got to go to this other site and well, now I got to go here and find a video card that's been refurbished. They're not, they're not going to do that. As long as they can get a console that's hitting like mid-level PC power for way less money than a PC, they're going to do it every time. These guys that think they're winning some debate by being like, well, if you get a PC part picker and you go to Newegg and you watch the sales and then you go to eBay, it's like, John Q. Public's not doing that. You're proving the point. You're straining at a gnat to get a decent gaming rig under a grand. Who's going to do that? No, there's no consumer that's going to do that now. If you can meet that need at the consumer level, you'd have a winning business on your hand. But I don't see even PC part picker is not going to help you get that low to get the the grand audience to say, "Well, we don't I'm not going to buy a console anymore. I can buy a PC for $895 if I pay attention to sales." Like and and PC part trends, like and when prices drop. <clears throat> Parasito, hang on, I missed what you said. Gaming, the same people who say PC is better are the same people now saying that photorealistic graphics are getting stale and they want more stylized art direction. Yeah, but I don't know if that's representative of the market at large. And it doesn't have to be photorealistic. It can be, like, I think a lot of the times the guys that buy, like, the really big rigs, they want great performance, and I think they focus more on fidelity than photorealism. They want the lighting to look amazing, the textures, the shading, the shadows. They want that to look amazing. They don't... I don't think it needs to be photorealistic. You can build a PC for around 650 that will outperform console with new parts. I just did it for my wife for Christmas. That's more than consoles, but it has more than one usage. Yeah, but Justin Kidder, you would, number one, I want to see this PC that you built for 650 that outperforms consoles with new parts. I want to see it. And secondly, how many people have the knowledge that you have to do that? Because they're going to go to the site and they're going to see pre-made systems for 1200 to $1,500. They're not going to do what you're doing. If you manage to like get in at the right time, buy the right parts at the right sale price, and you're like, dude, I built a rig for 650 that outperforms consoles. Number one, severely doubt your claim. Number two, you probably had to be very, very specific in what you bought. I, fu- I fully doubt the claim, though. That seems insane to me. That's so cheap. 650? If there were enough people wanting to go PC to make their own main make their main system, the parts would no longer be sold for low enough to make the current gen equal. Yeah, you're also talking about again like a reality where there's a groundswell of demand that all of a sudden people flood the PC market. What do you think is going to happen when demand goes up? <laughs> Prices are going to go up. Bro, anything with a 2060 super outperforms the PS5 thanks to DLSS. Right, but are you able to put together a rig like that for $650? The cheapest I saw some guy do it, he got it down to like 800 or 895 and he was literally buying a used video card off of eBay. Again, you're not entering the landscape of the discussion if you got to jump through all those hoops. 
I am saying the average consumer will not do that. You're talking about, I've been watching sales for months and buying good deals. Guys, he Frankensteined it over months. Like, that's the average consumer is not going to do that. Well, you can get a, a TV much cheaper if you uh, if you watch the wholesale websites and you get all the parts. I built this TV for 500 bucks. Now, it took me seven months. Like, come on. Consider what you're saying. Nobody's going to do that. Nobody's going to do that. <laughs> Zubair says, I was going to say you need a $1,500 PC to match PS5 performance. I said that, and I got people so hot and angry that they went to eBay. And they were like, well, I bought this used card from a guy named Terrence, and I was able to save a bundle. And it's like, (laughs) that's not representative of pricing in the market. You're going aftermarket in order to get to the pricing that you got, which proves the point that, generally speaking, market pricing, if you go right now and try and snag yourself a really strong rig that's stronger than these con you know a ps5 you're gonna go to sites where everything's pre-built and you're gonna spend 12 to 1500 dollars but i can go over here and i can build that same that doesn't matter because that's not what the average consumer is going to do the average consumer is always going to take the path of least resistance they're not going to go to ebay they're not going to go to newegg they're not going to go to pc part picker they're not going to do any of that crap it's, it's completely outside of their purview. Not only that, they would really, really have to want the better graphical fidelity. Like, that's got to be such a strong motivation to go through all that. And I'm telling you right now, the saturation, with the saturation of the PS5, PS4, and the Nintendo Switch... I don't think you see this exodus from the console market because, well, PCs are just so much stronger now. That hasn't changed in a long time. PCs are always stronger. Because the console locks itself to a build for seven years. So all it takes is two or three years and that console's behind. That didn't seem to affect the PS4. It didn't seem to affect the Nintendo Switch. Kelswitz with 11 months. I go try to the PC discussions. A PC that runs 1440 and 4K at 60 will not cost around 500 or less with new parts. I feel like a lot of the times, again, you get in discussions with people that they'll take a bunch of loopholes and a bunch of back doors and they'll really fudge some numbers because they just can't admit that this is a great priced item that hits a value point for lots of consumers. And like, that's just to them, it's just, it incenses them that people do that. They'll, they, they, you know, they'll, they have all kind of nasty names for you because you're just like, I just like buying a console, you know? And it's like, the irony is they'll project onto you, you take your identity from a console and call you a console fanboy when the inverse is true. They're the ones you know, taking their identity in something and then making this toxic discussion like of, you are a corporate you know, this and that and the third and it's like, I think the consumer just likes to go where it's convenient like, that's just generally how it goes, like, I walk into the store and I buy this thing and I don't have to do any of this stuff I don't have to monitor sales, I don't have to go to multiple different sites, I don't have to do anything when it shows up to my house other than plug it into the wall and the TV it's always more simple than this sort of 
you know, oh, well, these guys are just sold out to corporations. It's like, no, they're just a consumer. Like, I know for a fact right now I could business expense a top-end PC, and I'm like, I don't care. I don't. Now, once we, if we start getting code offers and stuff to play PC games, then sure, I might consider it, but I just do not care. It's not a priority. And if it's not a priority, you're not going to make it a priority by insulting me or talking down to me or saying my games don't look as good. Like that's just that doesn't create a passion or priority in a person. That doesn't change a person's mind. It's just where they've landed on the spectrum of value. They're like, "I think this is all I need and it runs things great." A five spot from Victory says, "This is my most anticipated game. I really wish they found a way to make this project work." I almost wish we never knew about any of this. Thank you so much, Victor. Yeah, it's another lesson in not announcing your games too soon. That's for friggin' sure. Although I think they were probably thinking they were close to launch when they first came up for air and started talking about it. Uh, when was that, last year? $600 bucks for 7 plus years of enjoyment. I don't really need more than that. Yeah, I think you get great use out of that. I think that's, I think that's just great value transmission. You're like... Yeah, I spent around 600 bucks, and uh, in seven to eight years, I'll have to spend it again. I mean, I it, it, the, the guys that obsess about top-level PC performance, I, I, I guess we could crunch the numbers. How much are you spending in an eight-year window? Right? Like, it's like, well, I could buy something for this much and it's better than your, your console. Okay, what are you going to do in two or three years when, if you really want to continue to advance and level up and get the best performance, what are you going to do? You're going to spend more money. Like, and that's because you value that. And because these guys value something differently than you, that's totally fine. 700, I'm sorry, uh, $600 and they get like seven, eight years of worth out of the hardware. And then they go to the store and they buy another one. How much are you going to have to spend on your PC every seven years if you don't touch it? When you buy a PC, is it future-proof? You know? This comes all the way back to the point that we were making that if you start to see consoles fall behind the performance of PCs, I don't think that's a concern because that's already true right now. And it's been true for a really long time. So, oh, did we get some coffee orders? N- no. You were spamming the coffee uh, emoji, and I thought maybe... Oh, no, we did get one. A minute ago, we got a... This is not a triple threat. This is four... Uh, I'm sorry, I can't read. Two dark roasts, two light roasts, and a frickmas. And that is from Neon Z. Thank you, Neon Z, for ordering some coffee. Guys, if you head over to reforgeroast.com, you can see all of the flavor profiles and the information about the Balance Acidity Coffee and why, if you're a coffee drinker, you should try it out. The, fra- the flavor profiles are all here on our coffee. If you want to take a look, all the information about each individual flavor is available and the Frickmas blend is available right now this is our holiday blend this is our most popular flavor whenever it's out so be sure to grab some limited quantities uh, available and uh, you can get some bundles as well when you shop 
If you want to try all the flavors, you can save a little bit by going with the triple threat. Best of both worlds is our light and our dark roast. So be sure to check that out, guys. Then welcome back as a VIP. Brett Williams with a $5 super chat. Console is always a win for me because my games for the next seven, eight years will be optimized for that console. TLU 2 was mind blowing for being on the PS4. Every seven year on the bleeding edge, it's going to be $2,000 every couple of years. Assuming you can keep the platform. It's absurdly inefficient. Uh, it can't be about bang for buck. Yo, Zen with the five bomb. Thank you so much. Zen renews his membership and then gifts five to the community, getting us even closer to the 25 goal. Every 25, I give five. We have a big stretch goal right now. If you guys can get us up to 3,000 members this Friday night, I'll do a, frick, a night of Frickmas with singing carols and having some drinks and some laughs. Um, Eugene says, I know what I'm missing on PC. I can more than afford a PC, but PC doesn't give me the experience I want. For the price of a PC I'd want, I can buy the consoles and new TV every generation. And then JW says, my thing about all the tinkering, a lot of folks, me included, who love fidelity and frames that just don't want to tinker with settings and this and that. My PlayStation has fidelity and performance options on most games. Unless they really perfect presets on PC, a lot of people just want to plug in and play. Uh, That's another aspect for sure. That's another aspect for sure. Like, you know when you buy into... Man, this really gets onto the subject of why my Series X is so disappointing. Because when you buy into a generation, what what was just said in chat about when you buy that, right? What Brett Williams said... Thank you for the $5 super chat, Brett. Brett says, console's a win, right? For the next seven to eight years, you're getting games optimized for the console. That's exactly right. Like when I bought into PS5 and I'm getting games updated like Tsushima, but then I'm also getting new games like Ragnarok and I'm also getting new games like Returnal and Ratchet and Clank. Like that to me, I now have that confidence going forward. It's like, okay, so I'm now in this gen, I'm in this pipeline and I'm going to get good optimized games for this rig. This is why... When I look at my Series X, I'm like, dude, what did I buy into? Like, people say, well, that's just hating on Xbox or you're just being a pony. It's like, no, no, no. I bought into this with that thought in mind of like, that's what happens when you buy into a generation. And when that's not delivered upon, it's disappointing. It's it's disappointing. It's like, okay, that that's why I'm looking to Hellblade 2 next year. Like, okay, show off this thing's power. You know? What? What? What, what did I buy into here? To play Redfall in 30 FPS Starfield? Like, why did I buy this box? That's why that consumer disappointment and that consumer frustration is something I always bring up because that's exactly like what Brett just said. When you buy in to that console, that generation, you've got or should be able to have some level of confidence that for the next six to seven years, you're going to be getting games optimized for this system. And late gen, it tends to get better. We know this. I've made my own, my own predictions about what late gen PS5 is going to look like, but if you use your PC just for the quality games, then yes. But if you use uh, or as a PC, you will always win. Then yet you lose. If you type sentences that don't make sense, you lose. I don't, that doesn't make any sense, brother. <laughs> I don't even know what you just tried to say. Um. 
He's not wrong. Suits cater to whatever is going to make the most money. Look at GTA 6 being designed with console priority. Well, and there are people that will say that they're doing that so that they can, you know, get people to double dip. I I wouldn't doubt that that's a part of the equation, but yo, it's good, Marcus. What's good, Dark Taco? If you end up buying the PS5 Pro, is that Sony lying to you cuz now you're going to spend another 600? No. How is that Sony lying to me? What would happen if I didn't buy the PS5 Pro, Joe? What would happen? I would keep getting games and playing games on my PS5 at the fidelity I was promised. Right? That that value transmission still well in place. I've got two PS5s right now. I'm not going to take them in my backyard and bury them when I buy a PS5 Pro. <laughs> like I'm going to get more. I'm I'm basically uh, I'm buying an upgraded piece of equipment and I'll get more. That's a choice I make as a consumer. But I've also got my PS5s that will continue to get games and continue to be supported and continue to get the graphical fidelity I was promised. How is that first PS5 optimized for you? I mean, you're asking a hypothetical, so I don't know, but the assumption would be that the Pro is going to have more features like maybe the performance mode hits a higher resolution. Maybe there's more ray tracing tapped into it, right? Like I'm paying for more. It's like playing Ghost of Tsushima on a PS5 versus a PS4. You just, you get more. And so there's like a $10 upgrade. It's like when you play Horizon Forbidden West on the PS5 versus the PS4, you get, you get more, you get more features. The idea that what, what do you think is going to happen? You think they're going to saturate the market with the PS5 and then just like stop optimizing games for it? Ah, so same with the Xbox Series X. What are you talking about? What high-level, high-graphical fidelity first-party games can I play right now on my Series X? What games, do you, what games do you have? List them for me. And if you list more than Forza Horizon, I'll be curious. What do you mean, same as with my Xbox Series X? There's not a stronger Xbox coming to market that we know of. Maybe there is, maybe there isn't. I don't have, uh, outside of Forza Horizon, I don't have a single big AAA first-party game from Xbox that's hitting the graphical fidelity I was promised. I don't have a single one. That's the point, is that if you're going to start comparing PC fidelity to the PlayStation 5 or PC fidelity to consoles, like, oh, consumers are going to go to the market and they're, you know the consoles are going to start falling behind... Not if the consoles can keep cranking out games that hit that level of performance because the consumer is going to feel like they got what they paid for. Same didn't apply to your Series X. What's good for the goose ain't good for the gander. You haven't made a point. You just restated your point. How are, how are you drawing a straight line between the fact that I bought a PS5, I have high fidelity, high performance games on my PS5 right now from first party PlayStation Studios. I don't have that on my Series X. And if the PS5 Pro comes out and I continue to get games that launch and run on my PS5 at the fidelity of the graphical performance that I was promised, no promise has been broken. I asked you to list what big first-party AAA games can you play on a Series X right now that lines up with the performance they promised. What games? Where are they? Other than Forza Horizon. 
nobody wants to talk about the power narrative anymore because there is no power narrative on that platform. That thing that Brett talked about when he tipped the money, I said, listen, that's a great point. When you buy into a console, seven years, you're thinking seven years of I'm going to get games optimized for this system. I know that's true right now on PS5 because that's what I've been getting. Series X isn't that. I haven't gotten anything outside of Forza Horizon. The issue is not having a stronger version. The issue is having a base version that is a potato, says Zubair. Hypothetical, what happens if the Pro comes out and GameStop shipping at 60 on the base PS5? I don't see why they would do that, Jake. If that were to happen, PS5 owners would have full right to complain. That would be a walk back of promises in the marketing. If all of the sudden, PS5 owners anywhere, everywhere were told, yeah, sorry, games aren't coming with performance mode anymore. I'd be like, what the frick are you doing? Every single one of those owners, would PS5 owners would have a right to complain. And breaking that customer expectation, I think, would be detrimental. Because if you saturate the market with the PS5, and everybody's getting games right now that get performance mode, and then all of a sudden they don't, I think they all have a right to complain. And I think they would. And I think it would be very damaging. I don't think PlayStation is going to green light. Oh yeah, that's fine. All of our first party games now don't get 60 FPS on the PS5, only the PS5 Pro. That would be absolutely damaging to consumer trust and confidence. I don't see them doing that. It would be financially destructive to do that. Which is exactly why you're seeing console sales and demand for the Xbox go down because they did not make good on the promises of the hardware and they can't continue to talk about those promises they just stopped and they privated videos you can't see them because it's not the focus and that's fine because if that's what you prefer great but I think that's, that's such an excellent insight into my dissatisfaction with it it's like so if you're looking at games like the last of us online getting canceled and you're like okay well if the last of us i'm gonna track with you guys how we got here like how are we talking about the power narrative and the consoles in a stream about the last of us online i'll get you there we were talking about the last of us part three because now that the last of us online is canceled they should be able to go full steam ahead with the new single player naughty dog title that they have and the last of us part three and we were talking about well if the last of us part three lands on the ps6 as a cross-gen supported title like are we even going to see the last of us part three this generation to which someone said are you going to be able to really sell consoles at that stage of the game in 2027 and 2028 if those consoles continue to lag behind in power on the PCs? So we started comparing PC power to console power, and Brett said the reason he likes buying a console is whenever you buy into a generation, you know you're getting games optimized for that generation, and if you compare the PS5 and the Series X, you really start to see why folks like me are so disappointed, because I'm getting nothing that I was promised on one side so my confidence is shaken. I'm like, I don't even think that's the goal anymore. And over here, I'm confident. I'm like, dude, if The Last of Us Part 3 comes out late-gen PS5, I know it's going to be optimized for my system and run well. Why? Because they have established that as a pattern up to now. With one exception, the performance mode in Final Fantasy 16, and that's not a first-party studio. So, 
That's how we're talking about the power narrative in a stream about The Last of Us Online, because it's all related. The Last of Us Online getting cancelled, and Naughty Dog's future plans for these single-player games, the question becomes, well, when are they going to come out? And when they come out is in line with, okay, when they come out, what's the power going to look like on the PS5 Pro, or if the PS6 is out, comparatively to PC? It's all related. Another order from Fuzzy. He orders two Dark and two Frickmas. Thank you guys so much for those coffee orders. Another order of coffee from Jom1. He gets a best of both worlds. He's going to try out the light roast and the dark roast. Guys, thank you so much for supporting the coffee. This is not a sponsor, by the way. Like, my shirt is from Ripped Apparel. If you want to go over to Ripped Apparel, you can. Um, it, the link is in the description below. The shirt command is probably still pointing to uh, into the AM, but Ripped Apparel is uh, available if you um, if you go to bit.ly forward slash reforgerip. But the coffee's not a sponsor, okay? I wear glasses from a sponsor, t-shirts from a sponsor. This is ours. It's our property. It's in my house. My wife and kiddos ship it to you. So you're basically supporting a small business when you order that. So thank you for doing that. Won't a PS5 Pro push down the price of the regular PS5? Won't that push the sales of the PS5? It, that's exactly right, Zubair. This is why I think people underestimate the power and the draw of a good unified ecosystem for optimization that has high saturation in the market. If the PS5 Pro has been properly built and it allows developers to tap into newer or stronger things like more ray ray tracing suites, I always mess that up, ray tracing suite of of stuff, because according to Digital Foundry, they haven't even tapped into the entire suite of power yet, okay? So, you don't want to underestimate that. That's going to be influential. Devs are going to really like the idea of building for a unified powerful ecosystem that has good saturation in the market it helps keep development costs down it helps keep the budget under control it helps keep the scope of the project it helps the game come to market faster these are all things that speak to developers that speaks to developers You can spend less money and get your project out sooner and sell to a pretty large market of consumers that like to buy games at full price. Developers are going to say, sign me up. That sounds fantastic. Yeah, way twasting. I always mess that up, and it's because of the ray tracing suite. Like, it's like ray tracing suite. It's like I have to go in the ray trace. I can't do it. I mess it up every time. AOZ says, nobody talks about how it's way more expensive to develop for PC. Making a game that has to run on a range of hardware not only requires exponentially more testing, the game design itself requires defensive programming that runs significantly slower because the engine has to ensure resources are ready to handle the variable configurations. So this is from somebody in the industry saying this, okay? This isn't just some sideliner, okay? AOZ is, is in the industry. That's another aspect of why, like, oh, but PCs are going to be so much stronger than a PlayStation 5 Pro or a PlayStation 6. By the time The Last of Us 3 comes out, 
Isn't that going to be a factor? No, because developers aren't going to be swayed by that. If it means a more expensive budget and a larger allocation of bandwidth and a project that takes longer and then the game doesn't come to market as fast and maybe again, because of everything he just talked about, because they have to you know, design the game around all these expectations and range of performance, they're like, I frick, we got to cut stuff. None of that's appealing. None of that's appealing. The shot you took there at Xbox community, a group that likes to buy at full price. That's not a shot at the Xbox community. No, no, it's a, it's a market reality. If you look at the, if you look at the PlayStation and the way games sell and when a big AAA game launches where it sells more copies, PlayStation has a very, very strong standing of a community of people that like to buy games at full price. I, I said nothing about Xbox. Like, I feel like you internalized that and made that about Xbox, but that's not, I wasn't talking about Xbox. It's the same logic that applies to porting to PC. Does PC run faster? Yes. Does it also have to convert code that it wasn't designed to run? Yes. Again, I I think developers look at things like that. They look at the sales reports. People are always like, why are you looking at sales reports? Well, because developers look at the sales reports. Publishers look at the sales reports. You think publishers and developers don't consider who has more consoles in the market? Do you think publishers and developers don't consider what games hit NPD more consistently every month? You don't think they consider that? I think they do. People always act like checking NPD or checking sales charts is stupid. It's like, it's not stupid. You can predict where the industry is going to go by watching those things. And you can predict where developers and publishers are going to put their games because they know where the money's being spent. Jom with 23 months in a VIP. Man, one month away from the red badge. Rebranded the YouTube. Hopefully you still recognize me. Finally found the courage to start streaming career. Thanks to you. Well, I recognize the, avatar, uh, the your picture for sure. Uh, yeah, and I was like, who is this person ordering coffee? This is why sales reports matter. Right, VG Charts estimating November there were uh, almost... That can't... Oh, through November. Okay, yeah. So for the year, through November, estimating that the PS5 sold 18 million and the Nintendo Switch sold 12 million and the Xbox Series X and S sold 5 million. So that, that's, that's, that's higher than a 3 to 1 ratio. That right there will determine where developers and publishers invest their time and energy. Like, a lot of times people will cite a sales chart like that and they'll do it to beat up on the other brand. I invoke it to say developers and publishers are going to look at this and say that's where we want to put our game. It's going to have an impact on market attention and investment. That's all. Like I don't care. Like why do I care which company sells more and wins more? I don't have a scoreboard in here. I, I don't I don't have a jersey for a team. I'm like, brother, that's going to determine where games go. St. Nil with a gifted membership. Thanks so much. Guys, in about 20 minutes, we are going to go to a, uh, a video. I have a video about Baldur's Gate 3 not coming to Game Pass, but also some interesting stats 
about how well Baldur's Gate is now performing on the Xbox platform with respect to sales as well as its uh, its top sales as not not I'm sorry I'm saying this wrong because I'm looking at different things. There's interesting information about how Baldur's Gate 3 performed on most played and most paid. And we're going to take a look at that. And it could be in direct relation to the fact that it's not on Game Pass, which I I think could change some things going forward. It's an interesting video. I think it's very interesting to look at how well that game's performing over there. It didn't do it didn't do so hot opening weekend, but buddy, after that it turned things around. So it means Xbox gamers are spending just as much as PlayStation despite the smaller population this gaming revenues for 2023 shows 10 Senate here PlayStation here Xbox it here but despite PlayStation dominating Xbox revenues right there with PlayStation Wait, are, are, is that report after the acquisition so their revenue is way higher now because they get to count all the revenue from the Activision Blizzard? If, if, you, if you're suddenly counting the revenue from the Activision Blizzard acquisition, as if that's how you're doing that, you know what you're doing, right? You're claiming that, well, Xbox gamers are spending as much as PlayStation. No, it means that Xbox suddenly owns a bunch of property everywhere that's generating tons of revenue. Like, a ton of Xbox's revenue, when those revenue reports start coming out, a ton of that, that revenue is coming from PlayStation. It's coming from Call of Duty. So your what your conclusion is just incorrect. Xbox gamers are spending as much as PlayStation. What? Oh, with ABK, it's at 10. So you're okay. So without ABK, I've not seen this report. So you're saying without ABK, let me read this again. PlayStation's at 8 billion and Xbox is at 6 billion. Six billion. Okay, so ABK is going to be 4 billion in revenue injection. Okay. Why would you use Nuzu when we have actual numbers? Yeah, I'm not sure about the source. I've not looked at the source that he's citing. He's claiming that Xbox's revenue is $2 billion behind PlayStation. I I didn't research that because that's not what today's show is about. So I can't check that and see whether or not it's accurate or speculative or I assumed it included ABK because to be $2 billion behind PlayStation. Hey, OG Omar, I am reborn. Thank goodness. That was so annoying. Guys, just be warned. If you change your name a bunch of times, uh, they limit how often you can. They, they, you'll be stuck with a bad name. You, you can't just keep changing it indefinitely. <laughs> you can't just keep changing it indefinitely. What's the point being made? I don't know. I said something about developers liking the fact that one platform was larger and has people buying games at full price. And he said that that was a shot at Xbox. So he's now trying to prove that Xbox users spend as much as PlayStation users. I, I, I don't think you can demonstrate that that's true. I don't think you can demonstrate, according to revenue reports, that, that that ecosystem, individual users spend as much money as PlayStation users. And I think it's Game Pass has had a significant effect on that. That's not a shot. That's just a market reality. They've chosen that as their brand and their value, and it affects what people spend. <clears throat> JW, did, did you order some coffee? 
Hang on, my phone didn't ching-a-ring. Oh, there it is. I had to refresh. Uh, three bags of light to JW. Tons of coffee orders today. Thank you so much. Guys, in 15 minutes, we're going to go to this video about Baldur's Gate 3. Do me a favor. Uh, we're eight away from the member goal. Maybe I shouldn't make the big stretch goal me singing because you guys probably don't want to hear that. But uh, uh, that's the goal. <laughs> I'm going to hurt your ears. I'm going to hurt your ears if you guys can get the big member goal this week. So we're going to dangle that out there all week and see if you guys can hit it. You guys almost hit the, the community game night last week. It's not even Xbox users. You have to include Minecraft as well. Oh, he's counting Minecraft and mobile. Yeah, I just think that that's entirely different and that's not that's not pushing back on what I said. My claim was quite literally a basic, just very basic economic claim that developers and publishers are going to look at the fact that PlayStation is selling more than three to one this year over Xbox and people on PlayStation have shown a pattern of buying games at full price because PlayStation titles chart on NPD and 48% of the people who buy Call of Duty buy it on PlayStation developers are going to look at that and say that's a great system to build for now citing revenue that shows Xbox being within 2 billion of PlayStation while including things like Minecraft and mobile is absolutely misrepresenting the, the situation as a counterpoint to what I said. If you're trying to counter what I said by being like, no, 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 Xbox users spend just as much. It's like you're a you're you're a significantly smaller ecosystem that just simply isn't possible. You'd have to spend three times more. Each individual user would have to spend annually three times more to even catch up. Because look at the market saturation. So again. That's not a slam on Xbox. Xbox has a different value offer to developers that they can leverage. They're completely different ecosystems and value offerings now. You have to decide which one you think is best for you. But I think developers are going to be swayed by everything we've talked about. Jom one with a gifted member, and then a five bomb comes in from Wired Rope and takes us to 23... <clears throat> Thank you, Jom One and Wired Rope for gifting those members, dude. Lono, here's the numbers. Then Lono, well, the numbers don't matter. That's a dishonest summary of what I said. I didn't say the numbers don't matter. It's not a refutation of what I said. All I said was, it, this is such, this is so humorous to me. All I said was, is that. The PlayStation user base has proven itself to be one where people buy games at full price. This guy claimed it was a shot at Xbox, is now trying to prove that Xbox users spend as much individually as PlayStation, and he's citing numbers that include people who spend money that aren't on Xbox. You don't see a problem with that? Not being able to count Xbox first party as gymnastics? No, because... The point he was trying to make, I'm not saying you can't count the money. Like, I'm not saying Xbox isn't getting that money. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying you can't prove the point. His initial assertion was Xbox users spend just as much as PlayStation. He's using people who aren't even on the Xbox ecosystem. 
you that that's that's not proving his point you understand to prove the point that xbox users spend as much as playstation you'd have to only cite revenue generated by xbox users that's all i'm saying i'm not saying that xbox can't claim the revenue from minecraft jw the five spot pushes us over to 28 thank you very much and you're the agent of chaos nice job jw go pick and choose numbers got it only the ones that make your argument these are corporations all they care about is money okay joe the discussion was about developers looking at a single ecosystem that has high saturation and the users on that ecosystem spend a lot of money that's the point i was making you invoking revenue that doesn't come from a single ecosystem has nothing to do with the point that i made you're trying to say oh no 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 no! xbox generates almost as much revenue as playstation i wasn't talking about total revenue i was saying if a developer looks at the playstation 5 ecosystem its saturation and what average users spend and how games chart over there okay and you say oh but we generate almost as much revenue yes how much of that revenue comes from minecraft how much of that revenue comes from things not on that ecosystem so to refute my point, you'd have to get the individual like stats of revenue generated just by the Xbox ecosystem to say the developers are also going to be swayed by that. Like you're not you're not even seeing the comparison problem. I'm not saying Xbox doesn't generate a bunch of revenue. I'm saying developers will look at the individual sales charts and say this is a great ecosystem to develop for. That's not scandalous to say. That's not provocative. That's not hate. That's that's very, very basic market analysis. That's all it is. Uh, Otacon Ocelot says, then add up uh, the hole in the hole of the Game Pass boat. I'm not sure what you mean. Thank you for the $2 super chat. <clears throat> Minecraft numbers include PC. Yeah, Minecraft, you get to include people on the Nintendo Switch. You get to include people on PC. Like, yeah. that wasn't the point I was making. I wasn't making the point that like Xbox doesn't generate any revenue. I didn't even invoke Xbox. He did. I was just talking about as an ecosystem. We're talking about a PlayStation title. We're talking about The Last of Us Online. We're talking about the future of the hardware strength. And when The Last of Us Part 3 finally lands. And I started talking about when you look at the sales charts and you look at the power of PC versus the power of a console, those sales charts, one ecosystem, optimizing for it, and a user base that buys game at full price... that's going to be a winsome offer and what's this guy do picks out that one part and is like oh you're taking a shot at Xbox well Xbox generates tons of revenue it's like that's not what I was talking about the constant the, the, the constant insistence that like we're just as good we're good too it's like I wasn't saying anything about Xbox I was talking about the the hardware saturation with respect to the power narrative and what about Last of Us Part 3 landing super late in the PS5's life cycle and what if PCs are stronger than the PS5 Pro by then like that has nothing to do with how much revenue Xbox generates a five spot from William Lewis do you think that PlayStation revenue at least console sales would drop significantly if they actually release their exclusives day one on PC I actually have no idea how much of an effect that would have (laughs) 
Xbox makes a point to put their games and services elsewhere when PlayStation doesn't. Smart on them. Money looks the same regardless of where it comes from. But my original point was that if you're able to build for one system, it keeps the it keeps the bandwidth smaller, the project costs smaller, your game comes out sooner, it's more optimized, it streamlines development. Oh, and this platform is saturating market three to one over this platform, and these guys buy games at full price all the time. Look at the look at the charts. That's gonna have an impact on what publishers and developers do. Being like, well, Xbox puts games everywhere, okay, but that's their own games. You're not talking I'm talking a third party publisher or developer looking at the market and making a decision. If a third party publisher looks at Xbox and says they're losing hardware saturation three to one. We don't develop for just one box. We got to develop for two. And one of those boxes is weaker. And it's a platform where if you're not on Game Pass, it's hard to get a foothold. And many of the user base says they'll wait till a game comes to Game Pass. They won't buy it. That's going to have an impact on what developers and publishers do. None of what I just said scandalous or hate or or like antagonism to another side. It's just basic analysis of what is going to motivate a publisher or developer to choose where they put their game in the future. I have to hang on. I have to schedule uh where's our debrief from? Oh, there it is. I was like where's our debrief from last week? Um Ball, there's gate three. Game pass debrief. <clears throat> I gotta set this up because we gotta go in six. We gotta go in six minutes. It's just it's clear it's clear to anybody that's actually here for the lengthy discussion instead of just a slice of it. It's very clear that. That was so. That was so. Uh, so much projection and almost agenda driven. It's like I was not at all trying to insinuate that like Xbox doesn't generate a bunch of revenue or that Xbox is a bad platform. That's that. that the point that I was making was so simple. It's. I think it's such a fair and measured point to say that when your console is saturating the market and your user base buys games in high quantities at full price when they come out at 70 bucks, that's going to be winsome to developers and publishers. That's it. That's the point I was making. If that somehow provokes some sort of, you know, look at this Sony pony, look at this guy hating on Xbox. If that's what that provokes in you, that's internal. That's internal, and that's being projected onto me. I didn't say anything at all that was that could be construed as that. Um, a two-spot from Atakan Ocelot says, the hemorrhaging of funds that Game Pass needs. Yeah, I'm not trying to get into an analysis of Xbox's business strategy with Game Pass. My entire point was, compl- was firmly, was firmly about the, the power narrative 
PC power versus PlayStation 5, PlayStation 5 Pro, and PlayStation 6 in the future, and where developers are likely going to land. That's what we were talking about. We were talking about if consoles continue to fall behind, will that have an impact? That Zubair was the one who kind of brought it up. He's like, well, if these consoles keep falling behind in power, is that going to be okay? And I said, I don't see it being a problem, and I outlined all the reasons why. And that's how we got on the discussion of like, I can see developers being swayed by single ecosystem development larger footprint of saturation and a consumer base that likes to spend money like those things are winsome to developers and publishers they are and if that's upsetting to you and you feel like you've got to suddenly inject some kind of console fight into the discussion and project onto me that I'm attacking Xbox or taking a shot at, at taking a shot at Xbox users. That's a you problem. That's not a problem with what I said. That's not a problem with anything that I I predicted or or said that I believed was true. I believe these things are true. Could I be wrong? Of course I could be wrong. Of course. But I believe that to be true. I believe that the the single ecosystem development benefit combined with good market saturation combined with users who spend tons of money I think that's going to be impactful on where developers focus their attention in the coming years that's what I believe I'm open to being wrong about that that doesn't mean that other platforms are dead or that nobody's going to build games for your platform I just believe that's going to be impactful on where developers focus their attention thus thus I believe that's a protection against the idea that like, oh, well, PCs are stronger and the PS6 or the PS5 Pro aren't going to be as strong as PCs. I think that's a protection against that. If you get the developers, then that's power over the market. Especially if you get the AAA developers. If you get them, then... Again, it's a content war. It's a content war. And I think when you enter into a content war, you know, having developers want to build for your system is different than buying exclusivity deals, contracts, or or anything else. I think they're very, very different approaches. And I think that you'll see, you'll probably find that both approaches look very different in the coming years. Like, buying up a developer or buying up an exclusivity contract is going to look a lot different when it's not necessary. You're going to start to see... I think you're going to start to see the acquisition slow down because, I, you know, only so many companies can get bought up. But I do think there's more acquisitions coming. <clears throat> There'll probably be some more in 2024. Basic math, a 10% attach rate of 100 million consoles is greater than a 10% attach rate of 50 million consoles. So Xbox would need an attach rate to come out equal. It's not hard to figure out. <clears throat> that's that, that's exactly why I didn't feel like my statement was that outlandish. And to invoke Minecraft, you know, to, invo- to invoke total revenue... I just think is disingenuous. It's like, that's not that's not fair to do because what you're saying is, is you're saying, well, they generate as much revenue. And it's like, no, I'm talking about the individual users. You'd have to double and triple that. So I'm going to put a link in chat. We're going to go to this Baldur's Gate 3 video. I, I think you're going to be surprised. I owe you guys five members. So when we get over there, I'll gift those. 
Baldur's Gate 3 is not on Game Pass, but it rose on top paid and top played over there on Xbox. And I want to talk about why. I'll see you guys over there. Let's head over there. I'll gift the members when we get over there. Interested to see what you guys think about this.